Good morning, everyone. So, I know we look completely identical, but in case you were confused, I am not Pastor Chuck. Um, I am Will. I am the pastor of Student Ministries, and it's just wonderful to be with you this morning. Uh, So, before we dive in the Word, I'm just going to pray for us. Get us started. Uh, Father God, I'm just so thankful to be here with this congregation and thankful that we can just come and just have a community and fellowship and just worship to you, God. Um, All of this is for you. And as we reflect on you sending your son to die on the cross for us, God, I just pray that our hearts and our minds would be open to what your scripture has to say to us today. And I just pray that as a church, we can start to realize that if we're in Christ, that nothing can separate us from your love. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. All right, so growing up, uh, every fall and winter, my dad would take me up to the western woods of Wisconsin, and we would go hunting up in the woods. Uh, And we started this tradition from a young age. Uh, His dad brought him up doing the same thing. And so uh, from a young age, they would send me to wander in the woods with them without really any purpose to be hunting. More, I think I was the, the, the dog scoping out everything for them. <laughs> but one year, they decided to uh, give me a little bit of trust and a little bit of lenience. And so we split up on the hillside. Uh, My grandfather was at the bottom of the hill, my dad was at the middle of the hill, and they sent me to the top of the hill. This also could have been because I was not a quiet kid in the woods, and so they were (laughs) probably sending me away from scaring everything. Uh, But we all walked in a line. And as a nine or 10-year-old, after about 15 minutes of doing this, I started to wander, my mind started to wander, I started just daydreaming in the woods. All of a sudden, I find myself lost in the woods. My grandfather, my father was nowhere to be found. I was in woods that I wasn't fully familiar with. I was scared. I was lost. I was confused. And I didn't know how I got there. And so I did the only thing that I thought was possible to do. And so I just yelled out to my dad, And not very far from me, I heard a what. And I'm not sure what his tone was, if it was like, why are you interrupting this, or what do you need? Uh, But the thing was, while I was completely lost, and I was completely confused and, and just in the woods, my dad knew where I was the whole time. He could see exactly where I was the whole time, even though I couldn't see him, I thought I was lost, and I thought I was gone. I thought I was going to live in those woods forever. <laughs> but oftentimes, we think we're way too far from God. We feel like we're too much of a sinner, and we're too far away from God. But the reality is, even when we can't see how God is working, God is there. And nothing can separate us From the love of God. So the last few weeks, uh, we've been in the series of Emmanuel, God with us. 
And we looked at what it means to be God to be with us in captivity and how he led us out of that. And then we got God with us in the tabernacle. It was God's presence while they were roaming. And then we looked at God with us in the temple, which was a permanent place that God dwelled with. And then we looked at just this past week of God with us in exile, and then God with us in flesh, in the incarnation of his son. And so today we're actually jumping quite a bit ahead. Uh, We're even jumping past Easter. And we're going to look at what it means for God to be with us post-cross, and what it means that God is with us post-death and resurrection. And when we look back at the temple, we, we look back at the Holy of Holies. So God's presence was in the Holy of Holies. It was an area that was guarded off um, with curtains, and only the highest of priests could go there once a year to atone for Israel's sin. And this was the section that God's presence dwelled in. And during this time, only that high priest could go in there. And when Jesus died on the cross, he took the wrath of God for our sins, and the curtains were torn. This meant that not only were our sins atoned for the ultimate sacrifice that Jesus did, but also God's presence is now with us. We are now the temple The Holy Spirit is in us, and God's presence is now with us. Because of the work of the cross, we now have access to the Father through the Son. And after the resurrection, before Jesus ascended into heaven, his last words on earth were, I am with you to the end of the age. And sometimes I wonder what we think that means to us. I am with you to the end of the age. Because Jesus was not only talking to his disciples, but he was also telling them to go and make disciples. So what if I'm not doing that great at making disciples? Or what if I'm still struggling with addiction? Or what if I'm crippled with anxiety and depression? Or what if I'm not being that great of a husband? Is God still with me? And as a believer... We understand that we receive the Holy Spirit and that God is with us. But sometimes we figure in our minds, well, I've gone too far. I've I've sinned too much, so I'm going to keep stepping back and stepping back away from God. And we feel like that His presence is no longer with us. And if you're like me, maybe you felt that at times. You felt far away from God's presence. But as we're going to read here, Paul and I are here to tell you that nothing can separate you from the love of God. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Romans 8, 31 through What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, 
but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charges against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that, who is raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine, nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. If God is for us, who can be against us? It's such a powerful statement from Paul. We serve a God who not only sent his son to die on the cross for us, but he didn't spare his son. His son died on the cross for us. He took the wrath of God. He bore our sins for our behalf. If he was willing to send his only son to die on the cross and take the punishment that we deserve, why would he not also give us the things that we need and that is good on our behalf? Now, the thing is here, there's there's a caveat to the things that we need because sometimes the things we think we need are not the things that God knows we need. And if God is for us, then who can be against us? If God was again willing to send his only son to die on the cross for us, and we are adopted into the family of God, and God is on our side, then who in their right mind could be against us? There's a a spoiler here, but the answer is nothing and no one. Because who can be against God? Nothing and no one. Not death, not life, not pain, not suffering. And if God is just, which he is, and he is the one who justifies, as his children... Who can bring charges against us? We're going to see in this passage that Paul is going to start bringing up some good questions for us to wrestle through. And if Jesus, the Son of God, died and rose from the grave and is the intercessor on our behalf, then who can separate us from God's love? Nothing. Paul states this, that nothing on earth can separate us. Not trials, 
not tribulations, not our addictions, not depression, not even death. Even when all feels hopeless and you are at the end of your road, if you believe what Christ Jesus has done for you, then nothing can take you away from God's holy love. We see this in a psalm that Paul is referencing in verse 36. For your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. That's a very strong thing for Paul to be saying. For your sake we are being killed all the day long. During this time in Rome at the, uh, the reign of Nero, Christians were being slaughtered. And what Paul is saying is, even though I am seeing my fellow believers and Christians being slaughtered by the Roman sword, not even that can separate them from God's love. Because we have a God who has conquered death. So why would death separate us from God? We get to this, that it is through his love that we can conquer all things. It is not by us that we can conquer, but it is through Jesus who loved us enough to die on the cross that we can conquer all things. Not only will nothing on this physical earth separate us from God's love, but nothing in the cosmos can separate us from God's love. Not death, not life, not Satan, not any spiritual being, nothing in our present or in our future, nothing in all creation can separate us from God's love. That is the most relieving and wonderful thing to read. That nothing in all creation can separate us from God. It's Emmanuel. God with us. Nothing is going to separate us from God. We serve a God of second chances, and we serve a God who is not going to give up on you. When I was scared and lost in the woods, I, I thought everyone gave up on me. I thought I was lost, and I thought I was going to live in those woods forever. But no matter how far I thought I was, my dad still saw me the whole time. And no matter how far we think we've gone from God, he is there the whole time. Because no matter how far you think you've gone from God, you haven't. Reading this, I think of Jonah, the prophet Jonah. Jonah got in his boat, and he tried to flee from the presence of God. He tried to go off to Spain, which at that time, they didn't know America existed. So they thought Spain was the end of the world. So Jonah literally tried to go to the end of the world to flee God's presence, but God was still there. We can't run from God. Because we have a Father who knows where we are and is waiting for us. 
No matter how far you think you've gone, you haven't. When you feel like you can't take another step, God is there. When you've been doing so well, but you slip up and you relapse, God is still there. When we're burdened with sorrow and mourning because we've lost a loved one, God is still there. When I lose my job and I'm riddled with anxiety and fear because I don't know what God has in store for me and I don't know where my life is going and I don't know that I have to pack everything up in a U-Haul and move to Des Moines, Iowa, God was still there. Because God is with us. We serve a God who has loved us before the foundation of this earth. He has conquered death, is sovereign over everything, and nothing, absolutely nothing, can separate us from his love. So I ask you today this. Do you believe that? Do you have your faith placed in a God who is never going to leave you? Everything in this world is going to fade, but God doesn't. And we have a chance to be in eternity with our Father, our Creator in heaven forever. And I don't know about you, but that, that hope right there is the greatest thing I could ever hold on to. Because we live in a broken world that sometimes makes no sense. But the fact that we can place our hope in a God who wants to spend eternity with us, is more than I could ever imagine or think of. Because everything in this world is going to fail. Our leaders, our politicians, our jobs, our cars, the people around us, they're all going to fade. But God's love doesn't fade and it lasts forever. So I ask you today, where your hope is? And as we go into the new year, as Adam said, sometimes we like to make uh, resolutions, we like to make plans, we like to put our hopes and, and dreams into, like, we're going to make this roadmap to get all the way to here. But I want to ask you, as this is a new year, maybe for some it's time to start taking God seriously. Maybe for some of us, it's time to stop running and turn around and start chasing after him. Maybe it's time that we dust ourselves off and, and we start chasing the love of God again. Or maybe it's time that we start taking the love that God has given to us and we start turning it and we start outpouring that love to others. As we look into the new year, I want us to be a church that is known for just loving God and loving others. And I know that we do that so well. But it's time to start chasing after God because we have a God who will never leave us. So Father God, uh, 
I'm just so thankful for your love. I'm so thankful that you sent your son to die on the cross for us and that through that, we have a love that will never fade and will never leave us. And I pray that if there's anyone here tonight, God, that hasn't felt your presence and is just running away from you, God, I just pray that they would turn right around and run towards you, God. I would pray that they would understand that you sent your son to die on the cross for their sins and that they can be forgiven. And I also pray for those who might feel stagnant right now, God. I pray that they would just be, their spirit would just be revived, but also as they look to this new year, that they would just be wanting and willing to just pour into your scripture, God. And I pray as a church that if we are ready to outpour your love, God, that we would find every opportunity to do so. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen.